We confess that the hymn we sang is the prayer from our hearts. Our desire, Lord Jesus, is to see you even as our life. And we thank you, Lord, because when we see you, our darkness vanishes. It's thy very life that somehow effaces our death. So we pray that as we meditate on your word, that you would speak that living word to us. We pray that you would cause us by your grace to see you. And take you by faith as that very life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you turn with me to Second Kings chapter 4? We want to read four verses from this chapter. Starting from verse 38. Second Kings 4, 38. When Elisha returned to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. He said to his servant, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. Then one went out into the field to gather, to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds, and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, for they did not know what they were. So they poured it out for the men to eat. And as they were eating of the stew, they cried out and said, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they were unable to eat. But he said, Now bring meal, in other translations, now bring flour. He threw it into the pot and said, Pour it out for the people that they may eat. Then there was no harm in the pot. 伊丽莎又来到几甲,那地正有饥荒,先知门徒坐在他面前,他吩咐仆人说,你将大锅放在火上,也先知门徒熬汤,有一个人去到田野掐菜,遇见一颗野瓜藤,就摘了一兜野
This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. 我实实在在地告诉你们，信的人有永生，我就是生命的粮，你们的祖宗在旷野吃过玛纳还是死了？这是从天上降下来的粮，叫人吃了就不死。And in the book of Romans, Romans chapter seven, um,啊，罗马书第七章。Starting from verse 18, read three verses. 18, 19, and 20. And here, of course, is the testimony of the, the Apostle Paul. He's relating his experience. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we want to read a few verses from chapter 8. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, and please, I would like you to notice that the therefore here is referring to that great conclusion of chapter 7. After seeing how wretched he is in himself, and crying, Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Immediately he is shown the way of deliverance. And he cries out, Thank God for Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now you have a therefore. Chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. 如今那些在基督耶稣里的就不定罪了，因为赐生命圣灵的律在基督耶稣里释放了我，使我脱离罪和死的律了。For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. 体贴肉体的就是死，体贴圣灵的乃是生命平安。
But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. 若住在你们心里，那叫基督耶稣从死里复活的，也必借着住在你们心里的圣灵，使你们必死的身体又活过来。Verses twelve and thirteen. So we find in the story of Elisha when healing the pot, let, let's call it this way, a picture that is full of lessons for our Christian life. And this morning we want to look at the story from the point of view or in light of the theme that we are considering, Christ our life. I think the story is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It begins with famine in the land. And because of the famine, there, there was a need among, among the Lord's people. They must be supplied with food. And it's at this point that someone rises up in answer to the need. And by the way, no doubt, out of his best possible intentions. This one goes out into the field. And he's searching for food to supply that need of supplying food to the people of God. And we read that he finds a wild vine, and from that wild vine he gets wild gourds. And he adds them to this, he slices them, adds them to the pot. And as we just read, of course, the result that now there is death in the pot. And finally, Elisha is the one that throws flour into the pot. And as a result, we read that there was no more harm in the pot. Death was overcome. Now, this simple story illustrates rather vital principles in our Christian life and service. And it seems to me that at its core, there is a thought that is kind of really sobering. Sometimes we may need to help in the church of God. 
We may mean to address a need among the Lord's people. Out of our best intentions, we would like to contribute some food. I'm not talking about physical food, of course. Some spiritual food to brothers and sisters. Instead, unknowingly and unintentionally, Instead of ministering life, what ends up being ministered is death. And the question, of course, is why would it be so? And more importantly, what is the Lord's solution to address this? This is a big problem. I, I think you see that. <laughs> And thank the Lord. I feel that this this wonderful short little story here, it addresses that very issue. And it seems to me that the main lesson for all of us is that in a nutshell, the story is about a contrast between two types of food. The contrast between the wild gourds and the flower. One brings death. The other brings life. But what exactly do they represent? Well, of course, wild gourds and flower they're talking about two types of life that coexist in the life of every believer. If you have believed in the Lord within you, two lives coexist. Of course, the gourds, they speak of natural life. That's why you have that little word wild, which is mentioned like at least twice in the verse. It's something of nature. Of that nature that because of the fall of Adam was accursed, because of the sin of Adam is under a curse. And it produces thorns and thistles and gourds and, and all the, the like. <coughs> we can say that it speaks of our natural life. Our soul life independently from the Lord. On the other hand, the flower, what does that speak? Of course, there is something that points to the glorious life of the Lord Jesus. His perfect divine humanity. And as I consider this, it seems that, that verse, the verses we read in John, they are a wonderful counterpart to the story that we read. Because 
Because listen again to what the Lord says in John. We, we read it several verses, but just one of them, verse 50 of chapter 6. Uh, Our Lord, speaking of Himself, says, This is the bread which comes down out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. 主耶稣说, you have bread. He is the bread of life. Which as we know is made of flour. And it's being a bread of life. He gives life. But very emphatically, the Lord adds and he keeps adding if you read the whole chapter. It's a life that very emphatically overcomes death. Whoever eats of this bread, he will not die. And of course, you have an echo in some ways of our story. Because it's when Elisha adds that flour to the pot, that the death that was inside because of the wild gourds, they are overcome. So it seems that this simple story has a main lesson for all of us. If we live and serve out of our natural life, and every one of us, that I'm assuming we believed in the Lord, every one of us still has that natural life inside. Uh, so if we live and serve out of that life, the wildlife of nature, all we do is to bring death to the pot. It doesn't matter what are your intentions. They may be the best on earth. As I, I think we would all agree that there was no bad intention in this fella that is bringing the gourds, right? He's trying to help people. Nevertheless, the result, if it's the wild gourd, the result is death. But thank the Lord, because on the other hand, there is a way to serve brothers and sisters in a way that ministers life. And that's when the flower, that which speaks of the pure humanity of Christ, when that is added to the pot, there is life. And that speaks to us of living by the life of Christ. So perhaps I should make a distinction from the very beginning. We are not talking here of that the picture refers to that initial reception of the life of the Lord that every believer has received in the day that he first 
he or she first believed in the Lord Jesus. But the picture before us is once you believe by his grace in him and have received that life, the question is, do you live day by day but by that wonderful life of Christ that is in you? Or are you still living by the life of nature that is still in you and in me? So I hope you keep that in as the background in your mind as we share. When I say living by the life of Christ versus living by natural life, it's not that I'm implying that if you live by natural life, you do not have the life of Christ. That is not the implication. Uh, what we mean is that after receiving the life of the Lord, there is still a daily choice in the life of the believer. Are, am I going to live by his life or by my life? It's like the hymn we sang, which I honestly, I, I really love this hymn, but I never noticed until this time the emphasis on something daily. I don't know if you know, I, I urge you to go back to the hymn and see how many times each day made me your supporting might, that I may daily be near you. That's the emphasis. 呃，特别你可以在我们刚刚唱的诗歌里头看到，它这里面有一个呃重强调的，就是我们每一天一天到一天都能够呃依靠它。So in order to answer this question, are we going to live by the new life of Christ that was given to us, or still by the old natural life？哦，所以我们的问题就是你每一天是否能够依靠呃赐给我们的这一个基督的生命而活。it seems to me that the story presents to us a few keys, a few principles that help us define in that matter. Am I going to live by which life now? And we would like to use the, the, the rest of this time. Considering those key principles in the story. So number one, if we are going to learn to, to experience Christ as our life, to experience, not to have him, but to experience day by day Christ as our life. It seems that the very first thing is that our eyes have to be opened to the fact that natural life has no good in it whatsoever. That's the first key. Unless our eyes are opened by the grace of the Lord to see that, it seems that we are always trying to hunt 
on the field of nature for something good that can feed the Lord's people. If there is something good in me, in myself, as I am by nature, why not to offer it to other people? If I'm doing them a favor, am I not? Well, it's a tricky rhetorical question, of course. If there is something good in you, you would be doing people a favor. But the question is, is there anything good in our natural life? If we are under that delusion, the result is always invariably death. So if you consider again the story, the question is why did they add the gourds in the first place? And, and at the end of verse 39, you have the answer. And this is the problem. It's their problem and it's our problem. Here's the reason why they added the wild gourds into the pot. At the end of the last sentence of verse 39. For they did not know what they were. That is perhaps, brothers and sisters, our biggest problem in Christian life. And that is made abundantly clear by several passages in Scripture. We don't know our real nature in ourselves. Now that's a kind of bold statement to make, right? This is the biggest of our problems, and sometimes I'm given to that kind of dramatic statements, right? I hope I can back them up. <laughs> so where do you see this problem for the first time in the Word of God? We don't know the nature of natural life. You have it right there in the fall, in Genesis chapter 3. It's part of the Adamic package, if you will. As soon as Adam and Eve, they fall. We know that in the eyes of God, they are dead in sins and trespasses from that point on. But strangely enough, somehow, almost like subconsciously, they still think that they can address the problem. So if you remember, when they, as soon as they sin, the first thing that happens, they realize they are naked. And they sense that there is a problem now. And of course, the problem is not in nakedness, but it's inside of them now. Something happened inside, and that became the problem. They just realized it with nakedness. And what is the reaction? Immediately, they tried to sew those 
aprons of fig leaves. You remember? It's as if they say, oops, there is a problem. Let, let's fix it. Now, interestingly enough, uh, as soon as the Lord steps into the scene and he, into the scene and asks Adam, where are you? They already had made their, their apron fig leaf thing. They already have provided their solution, quote unquote, to the problem. But when the Lord asked Adam, where are you? Do you remember the answer? He says, well, uh, I am here hiding behind the bush, right? But because I was naked, I was fearful. Uh, I think there's something very revealing there because they thought they could solve the problem and they took steps to solve the problem of their sin. And yet after they did it, how did they feel? It's as if deep down they know, no, this is not a, 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 a problem that is really solved at all. But that kind of idea or delusion that I can solve the problem remained in humanity to this day. And I'm afraid that even when we come to the Lord, it takes years of education from the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see what is our real condition. And then interestingly enough, if we go back to the fall, when there is that dialogue between Adam and the Lord, it's as if Adam doesn't really think that he has a problem, right? Because the, all the attempts here is to blame somebody else. Well, yeah, it was the wife you gave me. So what's the implication? I'm kind of okay. You know, yeah, maybe I, something went wrong. But at the end of the day, the real problem is the wife you gave me. How about Eve? Much better? <laughs> well, it was the serpent. It's as if we became, as a human race, blind to a real spiritual condition. Now we see exactly the same problem in the New Testament with believers. Let me just give you a few examples. And I hope you please, I will go a little bit into this, but I want you to keep track of where I'm going with this. We're trying to answer the question, why did they add those wild gourds in the first place? And, and here is the reason, for they did not know 
what they were. We don't know the corruption of the real corruption of what we are by nature. Think of Peter for a second. I'll just read one verse from you from that night when the Lord Jesus was betrayed. Do you remember that the Lord warned Peter, saying that, actually he warned the twelve, saying that all of them would forsake him. And then in Matthew 26, in this account, Peter says this to the Lord. Peter said to him, even though all may fall, all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. 2633. Yeah. So, do we see some kind of self-delusion here? But let's remember who we're talking about. Here we have a disciple that unquestionably loves the Lord. I think there is no question about his heart towards Christ. There is a genuine love for the Lord on Peter's side. And I think that is out of the question. It's really obvious that what he's saying right there is sincerely how he feels. He's not trying to be dishonest here. He's not trying to give an impression that he is more brave than the others. He feels within that way that everybody may fall away, but I will never. That's how he feels. But just as in the story of Elisha, we don't know who we really are. And here Peter, a believer, a disciple, he stands as a representative of all of us. Brothers and sisters like him, we are all Naturally speaking, we are blind to our own spiritual condition. Our tendency is to overestimate who we are. And one of the abiding lessons from this event in Peter's life is this, even the best things in our natural life, whether it's zeal, whether it's devotion, whether it's service, even the best things, if it comes out of our natural life, there is no good there. The best things that come out of ourselves, they are like those wild gourds. They have a poison inside of them. And eventually, it denies the Lord. 
It's just a matter of time. They did not know what they were. Now think on Paul for a sec. We read, we just read some verses from, from Romans chapter 7. What do we see in Romans chapter 7? Isn't it a portrait of someone that is hunting on the field of natural life, trying to find something to please God? Listen again to what he says. 7 verse 19. For the good that I want, there is a desire there to do some good. And the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. There is a noble desire inside of Paul. And this chapter, if anything, what a portrait of an honest, a zealous man that has a true desire to please the Lord. And after he hunts, trying to find some good to please the Lord, what does he find? All he found were wild gourds. Something poisonous, something that can never please the Lord. And his conclusion, or in the middle of the chapter, he gets to this point. For verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. It's as if Paul learned the hard way. In the field of natural life, nothing good will ever please the Lord. Brothers and sisters, in a way, this is perhaps one of the most, the hardest lessons for us to learn. I wish I could tell you why. I don't know. I suspect that perhaps it's something that is almost hardwired inside of us as descendants of Adam that says that I can fix the problem. There is something that can please the Lord. I can do something. But if in, in any case, if we are going to experience Christ as our life, it's absolutely essential that our eyes be open. But once our eyes are open, once we start knowing, okay, this is no good, this, this gourd here, <laughs> there is no good food coming out of the sink. Once that happens, what, what is the next thing? If all we had is a knowledge that there is no good in me, that would be pretty miserable, wouldn't it? 
But think again in our story. Because there is something really wonderful in the way the story unfolds. Yes, they finally realize, wow, this thing we thought was good, we thought it was good food, and there is death in the pot. What do they do at that point? They turn to to Elisha and they cry out to him. Oh man of God, there is death on the pot. And brothers and sisters, this should be the response, the reaction of each one of us when our eyes are open to see there is no good in me. We turn to the Lord and say, Oh man of God, no good in me. There is death in this spot. It's pretty much what Paul is doing in verse 24, isn't it? There is a cry for deliverance when Paul finally, the hard way he learns there is no good in me whatsoever. And here is the cry, wretched man I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? This is like Paul realizing, oh, there is a hopeless death in this spot, which is me. But thank the Lord, because as soon as they cried out back in the story, as soon as they cry out to the man of God, the man of God has the solution. And Elisha, he brings the solution and adds it to the pot. He adds the flower. That element that will overcome the death that is in the pot. And in a way, brothers and sisters, isn't that exactly God's method with all of us? What is God's answer to the death that is inside of us by nature? And just to be clear, what do I mean by the death that is in us by nature? Romans chapter 7 is a depiction of that death. Someone once defined death in a very interesting way to me. And I don't remember exactly who it was, but they suggested this. Death in a way is weakness to the extreme. Because that's exactly how it goes, right? When weakness gets, you know, we're not so healthy, we get weaker, 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 finally there is death. And what is Romans chapter 7 but spiritual weakness? 
The desire to please the Lord is there. Oh yeah. But where is the strength? Where is the power to carry it out? And Paul realizes that that natural life within is like a body of this death. That's how he puts it in verse 24. It's like a sentence of death upon him. I can I want to do the will of the Lord. I cannot. But thank the Lord. Because just like in the story, as soon as he cries out for deliverance, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What's the answer in verse 25? Thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see the flower of that divine life of Christ being added to that pot of Paul's life? But brothers and sisters, my point is this. Oftentimes we realize the weakness inside of us, the death inside of us. And thank the Lord if our eyes are open to the point of seeing there is no hope in this thing. But let me ask you this. Once your eyes are open to see the death within, what do you do? It's not good enough to stay in the, in the realm of death and say, yeah, there is no good in me, you know, and live under that condemnation your whole life in that state of weakness, which is death. Do you cry out for deliverance? Do you turn to the Lord? Do you say, oh man of God, there is death in the pot? Do you cry out even like Paul, who will deliver me? Thank the Lord. As soon as we do it, the, the Lord, He adds that flower. He bring, brings what replaces that natural life that is good for nothing, the perfect humanity of His Son in us. And what is the result? Of course, the result, if you think in Paul, in the story, there is no more death. The death was overcome by the flower. Now, I find it very interesting that the commandment of Elisha was never, okay, you're going to fish out gourd by gourd. <laughs> he simply brings something that overcomes that gourd. 
啊，他只是把一些能够胜过那些野瓜的东西把它加上去。In New Testament language, it's the bread of life that when we eat of it, we we do not die. 哦，从新约的话就是，那是生命的生命的粮，当你领用的时候，你就不至于死。Now this is something wonderful. I don't think any of us is qualified to try to deal with our own natural life that is within us. No. 我想我们没有一个人能够有能力来对付我们自己每个人里面自然的生命。Oh, but as soon as that we become occupied with this much better life. The life of Christ—that is your portion and mine—is not something you have to produce. It was given already to you. But, 可是当你一旦领受了，就是你和我，我们都领受了啊，这一个赐给我们的这个基督的生命以后 ，as soon as we become occupied, the that heavenly substitution happens. 哦，所以你一旦领受了以后呢，啊，那一个一个属天的兑兑换就发生了。Now look at the result when going back to Paul. Ah, we 再回去看一下保罗 Romans eight is the result of that. That Romans 书的第八章就是讲到这样的决。And if Romans seven could be kind of the the sticker that you can put in your Bible is death on Romans seven. Ah, you can in Romans 书的第七章你几乎可以贴上一个标签来是一个致死的 Weakness. I can. I want, but I cannot. 就是一个软弱，我心愿意，可是我做不到。What is Romans eight? 那罗马书第八章是什么呢 ？Life, life, life, life. 那是生命，生命，生命。And life here is not existence. As sometimes we kind of very naively we think that well, I'm alive, right? I exist. I exist. Therefore, what is the thing? I think therefore I exist, or something like that. I don't know. 呃，这个不是我们所谓通常说我们有生命，自己有生命。It's not a matter of existence, brothers and sisters. 啊，这不是关于一个存在的问题。But it's a matter of life as God intended for us. Life in force, in vigor, in purpose. That is life according to the Bible. 哦，乃是一个有啊有有目的有目标的呃有一个生命的，是神为我们预备的。If in Romans seven we see someone under a sentence of condemnation, he's condemned to death with no strength whatsoever to please the Lord. 啊、uh, ，在罗马书第七章，我们看见有一个人，他已经是被被定罪的一样，他是不可能可以来讨神的喜悦。Chapter eight, it switches everything. Now there is no condemnation, no more lack of strength for those who are in Christ Jesus. 啊，可是，在罗马书第八章，那些在基督耶稣里的就不定罪了。For the law of spirit of life, now here is the emphasis: is the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus, on the basis of that new, of that flower in you, on that basis, He has set you free from the law of sin and death. Oh, 因为那个赐生命啊圣灵的律，也就是那个好像加在面中的啊加在锅中的那个面啊，在基督耶稣里释放了我，使我脱离罪和死的律。But now we get to something really important in chapter eight. 啊，然后我们在第八章里面看见很重要。Because it, it reveals to us. That that deliverance that Paul experienced at the end of chapter seven is not a once and for all thing. Oh, 就是在保罗在第七章的结束啊，那些他得到的那一个拯救，不是只是一次就就就过了。So we never see Paul saying anything like, "Well, that's it. I got there, right? <laughs> Problem solved forever." Now in chapter eight, you have a as if there are two possibilities 
that have opened for you and for me. The possibility of even living by by the Spirit, that is the life of Christ, or by living by by our natural life, the flesh. How do we know that we have those two possibilities here? Because of that little word, if. Every time you see that if in the Bible, you open your eyes. Because it's something that you have two choices here. In verse 13, he says, For if you're living according to the flesh, See, the two lives that we have in us, that's natural life. This flesh here is not necessarily the bad stuff that you're reading, for instance, in Galatians chapter 5. In the Bible, flesh, there are plenty of good things that are kind of related to the flesh. And so our Lord Jesus speaking to a Nicodemus, for instance. Who is Nicodemus? He is the top among the Pharisees. Uh, A sincere man that probably knew his Old Testament by heart. Someone that could look at Jesus and say, Rabbi, you come from God. It's obvious. <laughs> he got the right conclusion. No one can do what you do if God is not with him. But it's to that man, Nicodemus, that the Lord has to say, you must be born again. That which is born of flesh, See, Nicodemus, you're in the realm of flesh, natural life. And that is flesh. But that what is born of the spirit is spirit. A totally different realm. So, brothers and sisters, my point is this. There is a wonderful deliverance when we turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I need deliverance. There is no good in me. There is death in the body. And that deliverance is somehow related to flower, to the bread of life, Christ in you. Living by that life. But now here's the thing. That deliverance again is not a once and for all. There is something that should be a daily experience for all of us. I want to conclude going back to John chapter 6 and pointing out one or two things here. There is something that I think most translations don't make it very evident. 
Something about the the verb tense that the Lord is using in John chapter six. He's talking about eating of him, and in that overcoming death is the bread of life that if you eat, you will not die. But in chapter 6, verse 56, here's what I want to underline. Our Lord says this. I'll read in the New, in the New American Standard first. It says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Because of time we didn't read, but it's not that he's changing the imagery from bread to flesh and blood. There is no real change. Because as you read the chapter, the Lord said, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. In other words, the only reason we can receive the Lord as our food Ingesting is because of his sacrificial death on the cross. But I want to point out to you the tense that our Lord uses this in verse 56 when he says, He who eats my flesh. The translation from Greek, the literal one, should be he who eats continually, or he who keeps eating on me, he will abide in me and I in him. You see, this deliverance that we receive is not a once and for all thing. It's only as we make the Lord Jesus our daily food. It's only as we day by day say, nothing from the natural field, nothing from the wild gourds, I want the flower, I want the bread of life. That is our daily choice, brothers and sisters. So what happens when we learn how to make our choice feeding upon Him? He who keeps eating of me abides in me and I in Him. Brothers and sisters, this is our education in Christian life. In a way, this matter of living by the life of Christ. I read something from Brother Sparks that really touched me. And our brother suggests that this is the hardest lesson for any believer to learn. How to keep eating day after day, living by the life of Christ, not from the life of our natural life. Uh, 我读了一些关, 从那个史百克弟兄所写的东西, 
哦，他提到说，我们一个很困难的功课，我们要学的就是如何每一天、每一天都能够依靠着耶稣而活。So may the Lord be gracious to us。哦，愿意神真是怜悯我们。Even as in our story is the case。哦，就像我们这个故事所说的。That our eyes may be open to see that from that field of nature, nothing good will ever come out。哦，我们眼睛能够明亮，看见从一些田野来的这些野瓜。啊，是没有任何良善的。That the Lord would lead us to that point when we cease and desist from ourselves。啊，主能够把我们带到一个地步，就是我们完全我们自己被停止下来，完全啊啊不影响。Do not go hunting on that field. All you're going to find is wild gourds. 啊，不要去那个田野去打猎，因为你只能够找到野瓜。And the result of that, whether in your individual life or corporately, is always the same death. 啊，不论你是个人的生活，或者是团体的生活，啊，结局都是啊致死的。May the Lord open our open our eyes to see that heavenly flower, that divine life of Christ, which is your portion, and that that would be our choice to live by Him. 啊，所以求神开我们的眼睛，带我们看见，啊，我们能够呃、啊、按着这个神他这个属天的呃、啊、属天的生命，就是这个面。啊，能够呃，能够胜过这个。Let's have a word of prayer. 我们一起祷告。Lord, yes, this is our prayer indeed, that you would open our eyes. 主啊，我们的祷告，求主开我们的眼睛。We are so aware that in ourselves, that there is a tendency in ourselves, as if there is something good within. 主啊，我们都以为我们的里面是有一些什么良善。So Lord, we pray that by Your grace, our eyes may be open. Oh, 我们这是祷告，按照你的恩典，我们的眼睛得以打开。We pray for seeing that on the one hand, if there, if there is nothing good in us, that on the other, You have provided something so much better for all of us. 呃，从一方面，我们的里面没有任何良善，可是另外一方面，你却把一个何等完美的赐给我们。We pray that You would lead each one of us, Lord, daily. To take Christ as our daily food, as our daily life. Oh, 求主让我们每一天都能够领受啊，领取你自己的的生命，生命的粮。And as we do so, we ask that there will be indeed that pure sustenance, even in your household. Oh, 真是在你的家中有有完美的有完全的供应。We ask in the name of our Lord Jesus. 我们奉主耶稣基督的名祷告。Amen. We are dismissed. We can sample. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Oh, really? <laughs>